Hello and welcome to The Lowdown, the monthly podcast which explores a wide range of global developments brought to you by the European Union of Jewish Students. We'll be talking with experts and decision makers in many fields, people who are on the front line of global development, listening to their stories of hope and their stories of struggle. Welcome to the third episode of our EUGS podcast, The Lowdown. We are here to discuss the most pertinent global issues ranging from global conflict and inequality to democracy and climate change. Our goal is to give our EUGS audience key insights in order to develop an understanding of the world's most urgent issues. On today's episode, episode host Avital Grinberg will discuss women's rights and gender equality with a very special guest. And later in the podcast, we'll have our third Battle of Unions, where the Lithuanian Union of Jewish Students takes on the Jewish Student Union of Czech Republic. Avital, over to you. Thank you, Ilan. Welcome to the third episode of The Lowdown. I'm your episode host, Avital Greenberg. Coming up on today's episode, Women of EUJS. I will shortly be speaking with former EUJS president and current director of European Affairs of Bnei Brit International, Alina Brickman. We'll be chatting about our experiences as you, Alina, former EUJS president and me, the current EUJS president, our advocacy on gender equality and women's rights, but also about our everyday battles in this um society nowadays. After this discussion, the Battle of Union returns as the Lithuanian Jewish Student Union faces the Czech Union of Jewish Students in a head-to-head quiz. If you'd like to represent your union in a future Battle of Unions, send us a message on our social media. And without further ado, I'd like to welcome Alina Brickman to this podcast. Ali, Welcome. Alina was EUJS president between 2017 and 2019 and has since continued as a close friend of EUJS, but also of her successors, including me. So thank you so much that you are joining this podcast today. Great to be with you. And now we usually start every podcast with the question of how you got active on a topic. But as this is a discussion on that is a bit broader, I'd slightly change it to why did you want to be UJS presidents all these years ago? Well, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Well, why wouldn't I want to, to become president? You know, I think that's the the spirit with which any young activist should or could approach their engagement with UJS. You know, I was first program officer. I had such an amazing experience. I discovered this amazing community that really became my second family, but also this organization with a crazy, super inspiring history of activism, one that any young Jew could be proud of to be represented by. And so I felt like I want to continue to be a part of that. But I think also a piece of that was being Romanian, being from Eastern Europe and having a sense that that's a valuable piece I want to bring to the table. We are very much living in a 
still two-tier Europe, where the conversation in Eastern Europe still is so much different from the one in Western Europe, oftentimes in a negative way, you know, how do we stand on matters of inclusion, diversity, and so on. But also now when we're looking at the war in Ukraine in a positive way, seeing how fired up Eastern European countries have been, that's been super inspiring. So kind of bringing that piece of my own self to the table was very important. And I suspect something that also also resonates with you to some extent. So I'm glad that we get to sort of share that. Absolutely. Fun fact, Alina and I, we've been the program managers of EUJS for a year before we run for presidency, which I feel is maybe also something something that resonates to the gender issue that you kind of like tip your toe first with one task. And then once you see that this is a an experience that that is truly it like truly um I don't know, inspiring, but also once you trust yourself enough that you can actually make it, that's the moment when when you usually like go for it and then decide to to really to really take over this responsibility. And yeah, the Eastern European part, I mean, yes, I was born in Germany, but I was raised by a post-Soviet single mom. So it was very, very in- like truly a part of me that that I also wanted to see in in the international context because what I see also is that we don't have many conversations about people in leadership when they are having a migrant experience and a female experience and a Jewish experience and I totally agree with you that that's always a very important facet and i'll put a pin on the on the ukraine issue because i think that this is something where you've been so passionate about the last year and i'd be really curious to hear more about that in a bit in the meanwhile why don't you share a bit about your ujs presidency how was your experience well i will say maybe kind of connecting to the piece about dipping uh, dipping one's toes indeed I feel like someone who found their voice quite late. I was sort of a shy person who always likes to first listen and then maybe step in with a comment and so on. So I have to say, well done, Alina, for actually deciding to um, run and take on the reality that I will need to speak up. I will need to be representing. How was my presidency? I think I inherited so much amazing infrastructure from my predecessor. So that sense of you're walking on the shoulders of folks who've really dedicated themselves so deeply to their organization was one big piece that I felt like constantly, constantly aware of. I think we succeeded to bring a lot of sort of institutionalization to the organization and that's not always the sexiest thing but i think something that i'm really looking back with a lot of enthusiasm we happen to be the generation upon which the 40th birthday of ujs came so the fact that we were able to gather alumni and bring the various generations back together um, was something very valuable for us but also i think we did a good job of bringing a young Jewish voice to the European 
union institutions in a very clear way on paper. And that's very relevant to the moment where we find ourselves in today, where EUJS has been doing such an insanely great job of promoting the Fundamental Rights Agency survey. And here's another plug for that on perceptions of anti-Semitism among Yen Jews. So at EUJS, we actually got the European Union to do the first survey on experiences of young Jews specifically. So having the EU hear about the experiences of young Jews specifically in such a clear, striking way was really essential and something that the institutions could then act on and build policy around. And UJS's work on that front has only been getting louder and louder. We also had European elections during my time at UJS. So we wanted to make sure an agenda that represents the positions of young Jews is out there for policymakers to commit to, to be aware of, and to be able to, to act on. So we had a campaign called Pledge for Jewish Life in Europe, where yeah, we try to, to do that and make explicit what young Jews need. What I'd be curious to hear from you and you know that I've been that that I'm sometimes compla- complaining about that. Um, is how was how was your experience during your time to go into all these relevant rooms, whether they are Jewish or not, and you are the one of the very little women, and you are also by far the youngest. Yeah. Uh... I mean, on one side, you know, at UJS, we had the luxury to say, we are the young voice. So when you are the only young voice at the table, you get that microphone to represent the young voice. But then you ask yourself, why are you the only young voice? Why are you the only female voice? And why are you only asked to speak about the fact that you are young? Because young people can also speak on other issues that are out there and not just repeat the fact that, you know, Yes, we young people in the Jewish community exist. So kind of finding that space where you understand that your opinions on a variety of issues are just as relevant as any others at the table was a bit of a process. But I think I must say at UJS, maybe, you know, this fact of having seen other women, having had women predecessors in the role of president who were like fierce, outspoken, really impressive women, great speakers, super confident women made things more easy, more natural. I think it's interesting for me now when an organization that is in a process of, you know, having younger employees, having more female employees, that question somehow became even more relevant because there was more of a modeling to do for that and the training I had from UJS I think was in a sense essential to to my current role to know that what I think and how I think things should be done is important and I should push for those things to actually happen is something that probably I wouldn't have had the inclination to do as much if I hadn't been in that position. And I will say, I think there was also a lot of 
learning from peers at EUJS. I think a lot of the agenda that centered gender issues came from colleagues. I want to give a shout out to Laura Cazes, for instance, whose whole thing when running to be part of the EUJS board was around claiming your space. And it's something that she very much modeled for me and helped me develop my own kind of thinking and learning around this theme. And also she did a lot to put this explicitly on the agenda. And it forced us to think about a lot of issues. So not only, you know, finding a good gender balance on the board and in the office structures and so on, but also what does more generally an inclusive space look like also in its practical aspects and so on and so forth. So always great to have super inspirational people around you who are able to bring those bits and pieces in. Absolutely. And yes, I will also give a shout out to Laura Cassess, who um, was also truly a role model for many, many girls and young women from Germany. Um, so you were already mentioning a bit about like the policies, or I, I already mentioned a bit your policies. So how did you experience women empowerment or what space did women empowerment even take up during your EUJS time? Yeah, I mean, or was it even an issue? Yeah, I mean, I have to say, I, I just, I'm not someone who necessarily um, had this front of mind so much. So in fact, I think people would benefit from you sharing a little bit more about this also from your side, because I think you've embraced the topic as much more of a explicit priority and something that you've given a lot of thought to. For me, it was more something that I've kind of made my way to. And as I was saying, very much informed also by other peers who had given this more thought. And I think it's really fantastic that now there's someone who has been prioritizing this for years and really made it an explicit part of your agenda and your Oh, manifesto as well. Um, I I think if I remember correctly, back from when you were running for Jason, Jason board member in Germany. Um, yeah, I mean, like for me, I think that a lot of my activism really stems out of the frustration of sexism in the community, and and kind of the inherited battles that we that we have as Jewish women that might even you know not be super practicing but are are exposed to to like sexist dogmas that no one is ever challenging in the community because communities have different troubles or are a bit are like are behind in these societal issues so for me that was always like a really big thing i also remember you just mentioned that it took you a while to find your voice. And while I always felt like I'm very outspoken, I was never the one that was, or it took me a quite long time to claim these spaces. Like I had my opinions and I was always, I, I always felt like it's not the right moment or, you know, I don't want to bother anyone. And consequently, I believe that that's the reason why it also took me a while to take up like leadership roles like UJS and about the like it was interesting to hear you talking about being the young woman in the room 
because you framed it so positively that I almost feel ashamed that I am so frustrated about it because like I do think that there is a big for me a big sense of responsibility of like what whenever I enter these kind of spaces I feel like okay be your be your best version not just because you want to be your best version anyways but also because you come in with this huge responsibility that you will be questioned and your expertise will be questioned anyways whether because you're Jewish whether because you're a woman whether because you're young and and I did have quite a few moments where I experienced ageism and sexism in the same like in the same second yeah it, it comes as a pack often yeah it comes very much as a pack where you're like a bit where you are where you definitely feel like you little girl why don't you make us all a coffee and you know and be quiet um and I do think that it's still like you know it's a work in process and I remember that in these moments or in this one specific moment that I have in mind I was like wow 21 year old Avital would have now a good cry in the bathroom and you know but eventually you also grow out out of a few things and learn how to a laugh about it a bit but b also just be the bigger person i mean i think on this question of being optimistic versus frustrated i mean yes i'm optimistic because i think there is an incredible ger generation of women coming up and will be there i'm sure and i'm super excited to see so many of the jewish student union presidents who are women getting involved in their wider community and so on but it's true that there is so much work to be done it's really insane the the ratio of women to men community leaders um, is crazy also in terms of the age range of folks in community leadership that's something where a lot needs to be needs to be done the ratio of women in lay leadership in various jewish organizations a lot of work needs to be done there, but also in the religious space, indeed. There, there's a lot to be frustrated about, that's for sure. And at the same time, I really, really hope that what you just mentioned, that we will go through this development as well, where female leadership doesn't end with the youth spaces but where it will kind of like like swamp over into into community leadership and into lay leadership because yeah that's still a huge issue and so wild and we do know that so many problems are out there because people are in a leadership position that that have no idea about about the struggles of young people of women of marginalized groups and consequently so many people cannot relate to their communities that being said, <laughs> before I will let you go, and before we move to the next part of this editions of the lowdown, I do have a few little fire questions for you. Fire question, as the name says it, means please answer ASAP without, without rationally thinking about it. So, first of all, favorite summer you location? Portugal. Favorite EU institution? Commission. Good answer. And what about the favorite EUJS seminar? 
new activism. Okay, okay. Where it all begins. And last but not least, favorite UJS president of all times. This little president with whom I'm speaking now. Map, map, map. Okay. <laughs> I swear I didn't pay you for that. Ali, thank you so, so much. It was great fun. And I'm looking forward to even more conversations with you. Thank you for, for being UJS's friend for such a long time. And to way more Jewish, female, young leaders like you. And may UJS be filled with people like you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Great to chat. Thank you again to Alina for this great conversation on women of EUJS. And now we move into our next segment. Bibbidi babbidi boop! It's the battle of unions. As with previous episodes, in each show, we feature a one-on-one -on -one quiz between two of our member unions. And our guests of this episode are... Emma Kutzberger, president of the Czech Union of Jewish Students, and Liora Medvedskaya from the Union of Jewish Students of Lithuania. Very briefly, the quiz will work as follows. Each of you will get three questions to answer, increasing in difficulty. The union that accumulates the most points wins, and if needed, we do have a tiebreaker prepared. So let's get started. Emma and Lioga, who would like to go first? Me. I... Okay. <laughs> yes. I wanted to say that I don't mind, so I don't really care. Go on. Okay. So round one, Lioga, it's your turn. For our first round, as we are in March, we are discussing International Women's Day, which we celebrated on the 8th of March. Now delving a bit deeper into this topic. Also, by the way, you will have three options always. Um, so the question is, who's the founder of International Women's Day? A, Globia Steinem. B, Clara Zetkin. C, Simone de Beauvoir. Beauvoir. <laughs> well, wow uh, I'm sorry teacher I was not prepared <laughs> it was not in our homework assignment but let's shoot it my Jewish luck my ancestry will help me with that I'll go with option B wow your ancestry your Jewish luck is absolutely on your side the concept of an International Women's Day was proposed by Clara Zetkin, who was the leader of the Women's Office of the Social Democratic Party in Germany in the 19th century. And she suggested that every year on the same day in every nation, there should be a celebration honoring women in order to further their causes. So, Lioga? Well done. I was just playing that I don't know. I was just like trying to throw Emma off. So. <laughs> okay. So, Emma, now it's your turn. You're ready? I think so. Okay. So, 
who was the first woman to win a Nobel Prize? A. Marie Curie. B. Mother Teresa. C. Shirini Badi. Mm. Marie Curie, I think so. Yay, very good. So the first woman to win a Nobel Prize and the only woman to win two Nobel Prizes was Polish-French scientist and chemist Marie Skodowska-Curie. The Nobel <laughs> Prize in physics was awarded to Curie in 1903 for her study on radiation. Yeah. Remember something. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so far you both are doing really, really good. So we are going into our second round. Um, so as we all should know, women belong where they want, when they want, and how they want. So let's speak about women in politics. I know, Liora, that's your favorite topic. <laughs> so first question goes to Liora. Which country was the first to grant women the right to vote? A, Canada, B, New Zealand, C, the UK. Okay, let's, let's think a bit logically. So Canada, what do I know about Canada? Uh, my dear friend, Dan Bauman, he once lived in Canada. So I, it's not an option. If you lived there, it's not a good country. Uh, New Zealand, a, a, a bit far away from the world. Uh, well, UK. UK sounds the most logical because all of them are so polite, so nice. They drink tea. So I'll go with UK. Let's go, UK. I'm sorry to hear that the Jewish luck has left you. Um, it's indeed... New Zealand. In 1893, New Zealand gave women the right to vote, becoming the first nation in the world to do so. Yay, New Zealand! <laughs> okay. Um, next question goes to Emma. Okay. Which country had the first female president in the world? A. Israel. B. Sri Lanka. United Kingdom president yeah. um, first female president I think that what was the second one Sri Lanka Israel Sri Lanka or United Kingdom it's really hard I don't know um, Sri Lanka I'm guessing at this point <laughs> <laughs> Very, very good guess. Um, indeed, Simavo um, Bandaranaike of Ceylon was the first woman to be democratically elected as prime minister of a nation. She won three times as prime minister of Sri Lanka and Ceylon in 1960 for the first time. Amazing. <laughs> it couldn't be UK, but... With Israel, I wasn't really sure. I would know about prime minister, about president. That was a tricky question. Okay. So we are moving into the third round. So far, Emma is leading. Lioga, 
as we spoke about women, it is very important to commemorate and celebrate extremely important female figures in Judaism, as they have been key pillars of Jewish history in Europe and around the world. For the following question, you don't get three options. Who was the first woman to be ordained as a rabbi? Do we have an option to call a friend or like <laughs> something? You're putting me on the spot. Now I will seem like a very bad Jew. I'm a good Jew. I have a Star of David on my head, on my You're... neck. Okay, you are a fabulous Jew and I'm happy to share this answer with everyone. Don't you worry, Liora, I've got your back. So the first female rabbi was Regina Jonas, who was ordained in 1935 in Germany. My Sorry. guess was like Barbara Streisand or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, next question goes to Emma. Mm -hmm. Emma, who founded the Hadassah Medical Center? No options, right? No options. Mm, I really don't know. Mm, I don't even have any guesses. Okay. I don't know what it is, no. I know, but I don't know who founded it. Okay, so I will tell you. It was Henrietta Jolt. Um, the Hadassah Medical Center was found by the Hadassah Women's Zionist Organization of America, which was founded 1912 by the Zionist activist Henrietta Jolt. And I have one bonus question for you guys. Um, and that is without an option. Mm -hmm. And now both of you can be fast. Um, Who's the best-selling female record artist of all times? Beyonce. That was really fast. <laughs> um, according to the Guinness World Records, that is false, <gasps> Liora. I don't know. It's Okay. It's Madonna indeed. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> We won, right? You won. I want to thank you, JS. I want to thank my parents. <laughs> Second edition of Bibbidi Bobbidi Boop, the Battle of Unions, is Emma from the Czech Republic. Congratulations, Mazato. So, Emma, how will you celebrate in Prague this victory tonight? Don't even ask by doing my homework, <laughs> preparing for tomorrow's lessons. <laughs> That's very sobering. Liora, and what do you think you will do um, as a result of this terrible loss? Uh, I just want to say uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you, Yujes, for uh, making my union officially exile me because I'm uh, embarrassment. Uh, but I just want to say 
Lithuania has uh, very poor funding for Jewish education, so I'm <laughs> I'm not stupid. I'm just not well informed. So justice, justice for undereducated women in Lithuania, okay? But but I'm happy that I um, received such good facts, so, so much knowledge. But in general, I will just cry myself to sleep, most likely. Leora, you're not an embarrassment. By far not. You can be very proud you had a very strong competition. Thank you both for your time and for taking part in the second episode of The Lowdown. Thank you for the Thank you. And thank you for tuning in. That was The Lowdown, brought to you by the European Union of Jewish Students. Why not get in touch and drop us a message? You can find us on our social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. Be sure to subscribe to The Lowdown on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We look forward to welcoming you back next month.